0: welcome you are listening to justice radio on wmpg and this is ending the drug war in maine with your hosts zoe brokus and charlotte warren hey zoe how you doing i'm good charlotte how are you I'm doing great, thank you. So since we liked starting with a quote so much last month, we're gonna start with a quote again this month. And this quote is from one of my former colleagues in the legislature, Representative Patrick Corey, um, a Republican from Wyndham that I served four years on the Criminal Justice and Public Safety Committee with. Um, And I'll go ahead and read his quote. I served for two years on the Criminal Justice and Public Safety Committee just after a close family member's fentanyl overdose death. For a few years, I thought the only way to save someone with substance use disorder was to smack them with justice. I thought that the law would catch up with them before they died. I was wrong. I've had to evolve on this subject. Terming out of the legislature is a time to reflect. You think about positions you took that you got right and others you got wrong. While I've always fought to get these people help, maybe I chose the wrong fight at times. We will not arrest our way out of this problem. It is more important to save lives. And I have to tell you, Zoe, when he made that speech from the floor of the House of Representatives, not only was he crying, but we were all crying.
1: Oh, it it was so powerful. It was just like goosebump worthy.
0: Right. And so for our listeners, that was a debate on the House floor last year in the Maine legislature when we were talking about expanding the Good Samaritan bill. Mm-hmm. Now, that was a victory last year. But what Zoe and I are going to talk to you about is sort of some of the progress that we've made over the last bit of years that she and I have been in this work. And I just want to be really clear. That a lot of the work happens outside of the legislature. And mm. we know that a ton of the work happens outside of the legislature. And when I think about our good friend Jesse, and when I think about the Church of Safe Injection, I think some of the most important work happened outside of the legislature.
1: Do you want to share some of that, Zoe? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that we have seen a lot of so many changes and we kind of talked about this last time, but, you know, there has been incredible progress, slow progress throughout the last five to eight years. And I think it takes, uh, you know, people like Jesse, people like Carrie, people who are willing to be outspoken enough um, to say this is wrong and we need to do better and what i think is so beautiful about what we what we heard and the quote that you just shared is that this is happening people are starting to recognize that what we are doing is not working and so what what i think we're in the midst of now because i'm like always thinking about why is it like why do i feel like i'm always still banging my head against the wall And I think that it's because people are becoming more comfortable with kind of like the catchphrases, we can't arrest our way out of this, and substance use disorder is a brain disease, you know, whatever. And I think that what people aren't comfortable with is is what that actually means in action. And recognizing that drug use is a continuum, recovery is a continuum. Both of those things can be very messy. That's what I love about our organization is like we really try to hold that space of like wherever you are is perfect, just as you are. I appreciate Jesse and Carrie kind of certainly Teaching me that um, and helping us kind of embed that into the work that we do. But I, I, you know, I think the Good Sam progress is like the naloxone progress. You know, we've seen it kind of moving along each session little by little as people can kind of get more on board with it. And, and so Good Sam was a was a huge win in a lot of ways last year. I think we both feel like, that's not the end. I still see it as like, it's now time to really start to have the conversations that have been avoided. You know, they've done all the, uh, the kind of fluff stuff. Naloxone is very socially acceptable now. Um, you know, they can even talk about syringe service programs, but I'm like, right. Do you actually, you know, like when you get into the nitty gritty, that's where people start to get a little squirrely again. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think we are right now.
0: Exactly. We are pushing to the next phase. And that's exactly, you said it so well of like, people are starting to use our talking points, right? I even heard the mm-hmm. governor say, you know, the opposite of addiction is connection, right? I heard that. I was like, woo, you know, we've got to, you know, push to what does that actually mean on the ground? And, and but I do want to go back today. And, and I, I want to go back to sort of, what was it like even eight years ago? So Mm -hmm. eight years ago in January, I started on the Criminal Justice and Public Safety Committee. And I have to tell you that the conversations that we are having today are real progress. And that makes me, when I have day after day after day, to use your term, Zoe, that I feel like I'm just banging my head against the wall. Mm -hmm. Or for me, I, uh, the very dangerous emotion I get is I get indignant. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very indignant about um, that people won't just, you know, come to the reality that what we are doing is not working, will not work, has right. never worked. 100 years, right? But I have to tell you that back in those days, we would not even have had a conversation about decriminalizing paraphernalia. And finally, in this last session, we made in Maine paraphernalia no longer a criminal offense, mm-hmm. right? Which, yeah, think of how crazy it is that we have been treating. Clean syringes as a felony. That is the same thing of treating condoms as a felony, yeah. right? I mean, this is about life-saving protection, right? And um, so we did that. It took many, many years, right? Good Samaritan. The even having a Good Samaritan law in Maine, which for folks listening is a law that says if you call when you are with someone that is experiencing an overdose you will not be arrested. You and the person will not be arrested. That was the original, took us two sessions to get that through. We came back last year and tried to, and did expand it so that it wasn't just the person who called and the person having the medical emergency, but it was anybody we had to define for them, for them to be comfortable, right? that those people that wanted you know that had really struggled to get on board but boy they talked a lot about wanting to save lives right so mm-hmm. we had to expand and and create a term called if they are rendering aid mm-hmm. and i'm you know i'm being a little bit cheeky here but but the truth of the matter is it it was progress but let's talk you know we're heading into a discussion about decrim we are heading right back to talk about decriminalizing which is what we need to do. Let's revisit Zoe and could you lead our discussion a little bit about the bill that we had 2 years ago yeah. and how it's going to look different this time.
1: Yeah, and I think like the, the I think what we continue to learn from good sam, you know, we learned lessons that are helping us Build a better decrim bill, right? Because, like, what we are getting, we are starting to say more loudly is that we do not believe law enforcement should be involved at all right like if we are going to say that substance use is a uh, a condition um that can be treated medically and you know and and we'll maybe we'll go down that road at another time but you know that people are very comfortable with that you know even like suboxone when i think about trying yeah. to get a suboxone doctor in 2013 you were like, it was impossible. I mean, you had to drive to New Hampshire, you had to, you know, whatever. And now it's like, you know, every doctor everywhere across the state, it's like what they, everyone's talking about. But, you know, so I think that we are really, it is now time for us to, to take the next steps and talk about, decriminalization and why it's so important and so last time we had you know we we had a bill that was decriminalizing personal possession uh, but it was contingent upon an assessment right so like there was still so um, an individual would have to engage in a behavioral health assessment and so that interaction with law enforcement was still happening. And, and so I think what we learned, um, and and Oregon, I think, has helped us kind of learn this and and certainly other national harm reduction folks who have always been like mentors and, and teachers for all of us. But we're really now getting ourselves in a place of saying, we don't want and we don't believe law enforcement should be involved at all. If we want to truly destigmatize substance use, which, which the governor's office loves to talk about, anti-stigma campaigns, you cannot have an anti-stigma campaign with law enforcement involved at all. Um, and so that's why I think things like, and we've learned a lot. I mean, oh my gosh, back in the day, you know, lead programs and law enforcement assisted diversion programs like that was the hot hot button item but now I think we're finally recognizing that even those programs where there are social workers tagging along with the police and hanging out in the cop cars and having the cop radios that is not that is not what's going to work like we need a um, like a pure decrim bill. And so I, I, I think that that is where we're going to be headed this session is really trying to define what that looks like. I think the challenge is going to be what always happens. Well, first within like our organizing group, really defining what that's going to look like. B- but then, um, you know, we'll see it. It'll start popping up. People will start to get kind of uncomfortable with, you um, with what we're asking to decriminalize and it always goes back to the same place. Well, what about the drug dealers? We can't let people, we can't let the, the kingpins, you know, deal fentanyl weed to our children. You know, they go like so far off the deep end and then it's like, you got to reel them all the way back in and, and start with the education. And so I think we, it will be helpful for us to find ways to get in front of all of that. And I think you know, something that you keep saying that, that just like makes my brain hurt in a good way is like this idea of staying away from talking about the numbers and like the amounts of the drugs. And I want to know how we're going to be able to do that because I think people get so caught up and like, because ultimately, sorry, and I'm not being very clear to our listeners, but like Personal possession is not enough. That's not good enough. Personal possession, um, or or anything over um, possession of fentanyl, is what like four grams. Mm-hmm.
0: That's nothing.
1: I mean, that's it's absolutely it's, it's nothing. So it's like if we do all of this work for all of that, it's not going to do anything. Right. And so we need to, you know, we we need to be really. Uh, comfortable to be very truthful as we as we start to work on this because going after four grams of fentanyl isn't going to do shit
0: Mm -hmm. exactly and it's either you believe that the police response is the right response or you don't right and so this idea of you know, numbers and trafficking and furnishing and possessing and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it doesn't get us anywhere, right? And and, and it's like, I was in a meeting yesterday with a bunch of, you know, the the um, executive director of Crossroads, the executive director of Milestone, the, you know, a couple of the hospitals, some folks who are, you know, doing um, community-based, um, you know, care. Mm-hmm. And everybody, To a person, everybody agreed. We have to go after the demand. It's the demand. If we can help our people not want it, it doesn't matter how many people are selling it. Hmm. I mean, that was in a, you know, these are like the people that we should be listening to, you know? And, and, And so, you know, and the other thing that I want us to remember is, The folks who are trying to defend our system, keep our system the way it is, why are we allowing them to do that? Hmm. We have a higher and higher and higher and higher and higher death rate every single year, right? Overdose or drug poisoning at this point, they're really drug poisoning deaths, Mm -hmm. right? It's not like their way is working. Right. Right. It is getting worse and worse and worse and worse. So it'd be one thing if we were like trying to change a system that had really good outcomes. We right. had terrible, terrible outcomes, but yeah. we so desperately lack imagination or the trust of data. Right. That we are having a really hard time. Right because it feels so counterintuitive. But but I'm so glad that you brought that up because we cannot continue to have conversations about two grams, four grams, six grams. The amount doesn't matter.
1: Right. All right, let's take a break for one second.
0: You are listening to Justice Radio on WMPG with Zoe Brocus and Charlotte Warren, and we are discussing ending the drug war in Maine. You know, one of the bills that we got through last year that I think is really important to talk about um, was LD-1675, and it's a bill that's sort of talked about as the trafficking bill, Right. Yeah. um and you know i still have reporters calling me and wanting me to answer, que- answer questions about that bill because um the former governor uh ex governor lepage you know tried to make hay about that bill tried to hang around governor mills neck that um that it you know allowed people to possess tons of fentanyl, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. First of all, the people that were talking about that bill, they need to meet with somebody to learn about how to read statutes because they had no idea what they were talking about. What I said to reporters over and over was, if you want to call me and talk about drug policy any day of the week, but if you are talking to me in a frame of this politician said, I'm not going to talk to you, Because too many Maine people are losing their loved ones, they they go to bed every night worried about what's going to happen to their loved ones, and they wake up every morning. Mm -hmm. And I am not going to have a political conversation, a he said she said, about a life or death issue. I am just not going to. Here's what we did with that bill. That bill basically says. It's now a law. Thank goodness. We got it through. It basically says you cannot charge Mainers for trafficking based just amount, based just on the amount they have on them. That is what was happening, mm-hmm. right? Over and over and over. Mainers that just have the amount of drugs that they use to get themselves through, and because of the amount that they have, that is not in our criminal statutes based on science. I just need to tell you that at all. And you sure. know that, we better yeah, than anything. Yeah, for sure. Right? And they were being able to charge people with trafficking without any evidence, without books, without scales, without a hand-to-hand sell or buy, without a cell phone that showed any evidence. No evidence at all. Yeah. Imagine us allowing that to happen around any other, and I'm using quotes here, criminal activity, mm-hmm. right? I'm using quotes because I don't believe it's a criminal activity, but we did get that through, right? Things, you know, conversations are are changing. What other progress do you want to tell people about?
1: Well, you know, and I just, I want to stick with that for a second because I, you know, my brain is so focused on how we're going to, how we're going to do decrim this year. And I think that part of the disconnect is that, um, there's still this misconception that, um, you know, that there are dealers and then there are users and those two people are very, very different. And I think Mm. that um, for anyone who works with or is or has been uh, someone who uses drugs, like a a lot of times, if you do not have consistent financial stability and you are using substances um that you become dependent on and and your use becomes chaotic um that a lot of time it's just like the struggle and the day-to-day to just get by and um and so you know having 10 grams of fentanyl in your pocket one day um and, you know, is the and then you get charged as a trafficker, you know, and then, and then you're in the prison system, you know, mm-hmm. going through that cycle of trauma and abuse and neglect and all of the other horrible things that happen in there. And so I, I wish that there was, and there is, there, I know there is, but, you know, humanizing it. And I think that, you know, that's what. I think that that's what you mean. And that's how I think of staying away from the numbers and staying away from um, the specifics of it, because right, there is absolutely no science to the, to the amounts of the drugs. It makes no sense at all. Um, people are fixated on, you know, the illegals who are bringing fentanyl into it. You know, it's just like, no one actually wants to look at the facts, which mm-hmm. is like, okay, so, so that's where we're. That's where we're at. We are probably not going to change people's minds about that, not right away. But how do we humanize this? Right. Like, can we even humanize the the drug dealer that that they like to talk about so often, or the, tra- the you know the trafficking that's happening? You know, I, I don't know, but. I want to find a way to remind people that, you know, the people in recovery that you have deemed OK to exist and, and, you know, OK, because they they're here and now they're shiny and happy. And, you know, it doesn't always look like that. And it changes day to day. And and those people were once people who may have carried around large amounts of drugs yes. in their pocket at some point um and so i feel like that piece is um is still really important to figure out um and i and so when i think about some of the wins that we had last year um and i try to remember the thing the areas that moved people and like where we really saw that change happen and I think it is it's always in the the person um who has experienced this right like a family member and, and that's horrible I don't want it to be mm-hmm. someone who has experienced the deepest grief imaginable and now they get it like that sucks we have got to do better than that um and I don't know you, you so so I think about like the incredible moving testimonies that we heard last year um, from from individuals and and organizers and doctors and researchers and professors and harm reduction workers. Um, And I almost wonder if it would do some good to kind of actually go back and really look at at some of that and see. Oh, okay. This is where people could kind of hang on, and so let's let's go there and let's explore yeah. that a little bit further, um, because I think what we know we don't want um, is is that that like contingency piece of the bill, where like it, we don't want law enforcement involvement at all. It's like, Mm -hmm. we just want to decriminalize drugs. Drugs are not a criminal issue. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't want any law enforcement involved in the situation and and so that means that somebody doesn't have to go to treatment or have to go do an assessment um, because the reality is we do not have the infrastructure to make that happen and that's how they got us last year they were like well we don't have enough treatment beds we don't have enough places for all these people who are using drugs it's like are you kidding me like of course that's the whole point Um, right and so I think like that's where we're gonna hopefully do something different this year. Exactly. And reminding people
0: that not everybody that recreationally uses drugs and alcohol, very important for me to bring in the and alcohol, yeah. because that's very accepted. Not everybody that recreationally uses drugs and alcohol has a use disorder, right? right? But here's where it gets all messed up is when somebody is recreationally using and all of a sudden they're pulled in to the criminal justice system. Yeah. Right. And instead of giving a response that says, how's it going with this? Mm -hmm. How's your life going with this? Let's talk about what's up for you. How's work? How's sleep? Are you living the the life that you want, right? Instead of some some kind of response, can we offer you anything? Yeah. Let's be in this together. Let's be community members together, right? right? Instead, we turn, we flip over your life. We do the exact opposite that if in fact you are struggling and you might not be, if in fact you are struggling, we do the exact opposite. We don't connect you. We
1: disconnect you. Right. We don't love you. We shame you. Totally. Totally. And when I think about, um, you know, and we're, and we're running out of time here. And so when I think about what we want to talk about next time, and, and we were talking about, um, the, the report that the ACLU put out last year and, and I was so fortunate to be able to be a part of that. And I, um, I interviewed people who um, had been incarcerated, um, you know, as a result of substance use. It was was super loose, um, kind of a a big, broad area, which which worked really well for me. And um, from from those interviews, as well as my experience working one-on-one with individuals um, at a needle exchange program, almost every single person I talked to, it was like, yeah, everything was fine. You know, I was just using a little bit. And, uh, you know, I like felt like I had my my relationship with substances felt under control in a way that I was identifying it as such. And then, And then it was criminalized. And then yes. my kids got taken away. And then I went to prison and then I lost my job. And then I never got my kids back. And then I felt so shitty that I never recovered from it. And drugs are really good at helping to take that pain away. Absolutely. Um, and and that absolutely. should be a human right. Uh, but so should housing. So, you know, I yeah. think there's there's so much here, but it absolutely is that piece of like, you know, if if we are now comfortable saying the opposite of addiction is connection, why aren't we doing that? Right. We can't just say it. We have to start doing this differently. Exactly.
0: And does someone decide if they are or are not a productive member of society? Or do we label them that?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Right? If we want people to be vibrant, growing, glowing members of our community, we need to treat them as such. So you've been listening to Justice Radio on WMPG with Zoe Brokus and Charlotte Warren. We've been discussing ending the drug war in Maine. Next month, uh, tune in because we're gonna be talking about what's happening in your Maine legislature around this issue. And we'd love to talk to you about how you can get involved. So thank you for listening. Please tell your friends about the work we're doing and see you next month. Thanks so much.